you would please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. Let us pray and read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you in this time of the season of celebrating the birth of our Savior, the incarnate God. Father, help us to keep that focus, even as so many of us are dealing with uh, colds and the flu. Father, I just pray that even now the peace that surpasses understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us. Help us to have ears to hear. Father, help us to have souls wide open to the amazing power of an awesome God. And Father, may we worship in spirit and in truth. As we look at this text, may we understand that we cannot be joined together. Help us to take a stand and not be wavering. In Christ, in Christ alone. Amen. Verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light and darkness? Or what harmony has Christ and Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God Just as God said, I will dwell among in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will come to you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The Apostle Paul is dealing with a, a, an issue here that is crucial to the ministry, to those of us who are saved, who are ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who are his servants. That's what a minister is. And we struggle with it because I've watched this text get bannered around in all kind of weird ways. And, and it's obvious that whoever is throwing some of this out here uh, has not read. They don't know what it's saying. Because it's not saying you need to completely separate yourselves from lost people. That is not what this text says. It does not say that if you are married to an unbeliever, then you have a right to divorce that unbeliever. That's not what it's saying. It doesn't say you need to quit your job. Uh, it doesn't say you can only do business with just Christians. And if they don't have a little fish on their business card, then don't be having business with them. That's not what it's saying here. All right. Because you have to look at the context that he's dealing with. In the context of Second Corinthians, it is dealing with ministry. This is what ministry is about. This is how it's going to work. These are some of the things that you're going to run into. Okay, we've already looked at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is your personal holiness. How are you doing? Okay, and then once you get that resolved, then you have to start looking at what you're going to have to deal with. And it's, 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 it's like I hear some of these people and they're always wanting to teach on Jonah. They're always wanting to teach on uh, Zechariah. They want to teach on the Old Testament things. And I always tell them, you know, I'm a New Testament preacher. Okay, and once I get done with the New Testament, I may wander over into the Old Testament. But the Old Testament 
is this massive thing that was presented to us. The New Testament turns all the lights on so I can see the detail. Once I get that one ironed out, then I'll work at what the architectural design was. These are the things that I watched that we struggle with. And yet, throughout the history of the church, she has always struggled with this. Being separate. You have to be separate. Um, and, you know, he uses terms here that are, are, are very, very clear and very, I mean, a word like harmony. What harmony has Christ and Belial? Okay, what partnership can righteousness and lawlessness have? What fellowship can light and dark have? And 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 I and I I look at this in 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 my outline there. You'll see this first section that I'm looking at is it is senseless to try. And he sets it up with four rhetorical questions. I mean, you do not have to be. A brilliant mind to say, huh, a believer and an unbeliever. What do they got in common? Uh, righteousness and lawlessness. What do they have in common? Light, dark. What do they have in common? And these are the things that, that I struggle with because I, people will say, well, we have watched you. You, you move in and out of the lost and the saved. And I said, well, not really. I always stay in the saved. I just happen to have contact with the lost. Okay. But they said, well, then what does this text mean? Well, it means that if I am serving God, which you should be doing as a believer, you can't serve with someone who doesn't serve the same God. If it's a spiritual endeavor... You can't tie up with someone who's serving Satan. The, I mean, is it really that complicated? And and I, then the question is, well, is it spiritual? There is a lot of things that you're involved with, you know this, that are not spiritual. Did you know that? But there's a lot of things out there that you are involved with that are spiritual. Okay? One of the greatest that I see is is marriage that is a spiritual endeavor okay you don't want to be tying up with someone who's serving satan it will add shall we say disharmony to your marriage okay you can't serve two masters all right and and i i watched this on i guess the greatest one that i ever seen and witnessed that would be familiar to you all was promise keepers. I, I went up with the original foundational meeting to meet with coach McCartney and his pastor, a guy named Ryle, pastor Ryle. Okay. Pastor Ryle, I found out is considered liberal in the vineyard, which is wow. (laughs) What does that mean? Okay, he had wrote a book called Hippo in the Garden. I'm allowed to say this, okay, because I'm supposed to call these people out. And the hippo was the Holy Spirit and the garden was the church. All right. And he had told in his book, uh, which is really scary because he actually 
wrote it down so everybody else could read it. Okay? That he had a vision from God, and he called it the anointing of the blue guitar. You guys think I'm making this up, don't you? Go read the book. Okay? And God had tried to use the anointing of the blue guitar with first Elvis Presley, but Elvis stumbled, and so he withdrew the anointing, and he gave it to the four lads from Liverpool. And, of course, they stumbled, and he pulled it back, and he's trying to find somebody who will be faithful with the anointing of the blue guitar, and he will do away, this is what he said, he will do away with evangelists and pastor teachers, and he will now reach people through music. Okay, that's the foundation of the promise keepers. And people says, well, why aren't you embracing that? Really? You're going to tell me God's changing his Bible. And I'm supposed to embrace that. Okay, you know what the great philosopher once said, right? Duh. (laughs) No. No. I... I could never be a part of that. Well, but you know, certain men of reputation, they spoke at primary. I ain't going to be one of them. Because that's what this text teaches. You do not partnership with someone who isn't serving the same God you are. Well, that sounds harsh. No, it sounds like it's overdue. There are certain issues out there that I'm not going to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of it. And if it offends people, then all I'm going to say is, you know, sorry. I'm only going to do what God's word has said. And that's hard in this day and age. In this country. In this country. Because we all want to get along. We all want to be on the broad path. That leads to destruction. But we will all be happy and peaceful as we go. And that's why when I read through this, he says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Because if a person's telling me that God's going to do away with pastors and evangelists and teachers, and he's going to do it through music then he just became the editor of Scripture. And I ain't doing that. And as far as I'm concerned, in light of Scripture, that's an unbeliever. And that's the one that gets me into trouble. People say, well, you can't judge. Well, if you don't stand in truth, it's really not rocket science. Here's what the Bible says. You're not doing that. It don't look like it. I don't care if you call it a duck. It don't quack. It don't walk like a duck. It don't act like a duck. So I bet you it's not a duck. And I try to get people because, see, we get it in our minds that, well, maybe if I befriend these people, I can bring them to truth. Really? Can you ever give me one picture of that being successful? I love history. I would like to have seen it. Every time I've watched a Christian who thinks that they can buddy up with that, which one goes down? The Christian. 
Why is that? Because they're messing in a realm that they don't understand. That is satanic. Satan has been around longer than you have. He knows the ins and outs. He is extraordinarily subtle about it. And when the Apostle Paul lays out these four questions, his, he just walk away from it and say, well, yeah, that makes sense. So when it comes to spiritual realm, spiritual things, do not be bound. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Listen, there are people in the churches today who have differing ideas on some of the teachings of Scripture. Some people believe that the church will be taken out before the tribulation. Some people believe that the church will go through three and a half years of tribulation. Some people believe that the church will go through the entire years of tribulation. Some people believe that the book of Revelation was fulfilled in 70 A.D. Okay? You know what? If you want to go through the tribulation, knock yourself out. I'm out of here. All right? It's just that simple for me. I'm not going to stick around. All right? They will kill you if you proclaim the gospel. I ain't shutting up. So I'll just, I'll just walk up to Antichrist's door and say, Jesus calling. Be done with it. I don't, I don't understand some of this. You know, I, I see misconceptions about spiritual gifts. Okay? And, you know, I believe in spiritual gifts. Which ones? All of them. Every single one of them. Why? That's what the Bible teaches. Okay? What some people are touting as spiritual gifts today uh, don't seem to match up. But if a person says, I got a pink elephant sitting in my living room, I bet you I can't talk him out of it. So, you know, he says, I had some ecstatic babble thing go on. That, hey, what did you say? Well, I don't know. Well, then what was the benefit of it? I remember one time in 1974, I had a static babble. (laughs) I think it was on New Year's Eve even. But these are the kinds of things that, you know what, are you willing to look at Scripture and what does the Scripture say? And then see if that's what you've got. I look at two words that he threw out here, partnership and fellowship. Fellowship is koinonia. Partnership is synonymous with koinonia. And it literally means to partner with, to have something in common with. Last week we looked at righteousness and lawlessness. Righteousness means right standing before God. That person is overwhelmed with the desire of the things of God. Lawlessness. That means that someone who's rebelling against the law of God. So they don't have a desire for the things of God. All right. That's real straightforward. Okay. And he says, what partnership can those two have? A person who has an overwhelming desire and passion for the word of God and a person who doesn't. What partnership do they have? Okay. It's like. uh, In my mind and what I see, the greatest tragedy in humanity right now. Well, since the little Adam and Eve problem is selfishness. Okay, and here's the reason that I say that. If you eat of this fruit, what will happen? You will know as God knows. That's a pride issue. Okay, now think about it for a second. 
If you're a Christian, theologically, how can you have a pride issue? You ever thought about that? And yet, don't every one of us? Our pride sticks its little head up. Okay. And we know it's a sin because it's usually when your pride rears up, the Holy Spirit says, excuse me? And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry. All right. If you're lawless, your pride is what it's all about. It is all about me. So if you have a Christian who has been bought and paid for is no longer themselves, belong to themselves. They are no longer slaves of sin, but they are slaves of righteousness. And you put somebody who is lawless next to him. How long before the Christian's pride raises up? Six, seven seconds? Are you feeling pretty strong? Go minutes. It is easy to stir up our pride. I mean, think about it. That's what advertising is. You need this. No, I want that. No, you need this. I think you're right. That's what happens when righteous and lawless come together. You can't. One has to submit. And it tends to be, it's easy for us to submit to our pride. Right? The next word you see there. What fellowship has light with darkness? You know, that's a... When you just read it, it's like, well, light and darkness, what's the big deal? Well, think about it. If you have darkness, what don't you have? Light. Okay? And any time you have light, so what fellowship do they have? At all. You can't have one and have the other one. You can't mix the two. And, and you know, I don't care how bright it is. You bring light in. Darkness leaves. I, I got a black dog. Okay. And uh, uh, he, he, he just likes to be in the middle of everything. So, you know, you, you get up. Sometimes I, have, I get up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning because God says we need to chit-chat. And uh, so... Here I am in a dark house with this 140-pound black thing laying somewhere. Okay? And so my first thing that I do to, to ease conflict is I grab my cell phone and I push the little button that gives you the screen on it. And I go like that and I can spot big black things on the floor. Okay? Now, it's just a screen. You know, my, I, did, I did find out the other day, my, it has a flashlight. I can turn the flashlight on on my phone. And I thought, well, that's retarded. But anyway, uh, I just used the screen. So anyway, I, I like this, you know, and I like And there it is. And he looks at me like, good thing you got that on. You just stepped right on me. Because he, he doesn't lay in the same place. He's like, I'm going to booby trap him. One of these days he's going to get out of bed. He ain't going to have his phone. And boom, I'll have him. Okay, but I can take just that little dim light on the screen of my phone 
and I can see that dog or anything else that's laying there that I need to be aware of. Because that little bit of light makes the darkness move. And it's just that fast. If you go back through Scripture, and we will here in a minute, you will see that throughout Scripture, this is a very common contrast. Okay? And, uh, and I, think, I think there's times we just read it and we think light and dark, what's the big deal? Uh, but the two can't exist. You can't have them together. To go to the Gospel of John, Jesus uses this a lot. Um, John chapter 8, verse 12. This is part of a text that you all, you and I all know. Um, remember when the Pharisees and scribes brought the woman caught in adultery into the center of town and were preparing to stone her? And he said, you who was without sin, cast the first stone. And then they all left because they, what you call, busted. Okay? They all left. He looked at the woman and says, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go now. Sin no more. Okay, then this is what he says. Now remember, we still got it on. We ain't, we ain't walked away or anything. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying of yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know from where I came and I know where I'm going. And you do not know where I'm going or where I came. Okay, here's the reason. How well can you navigate in the dark? I remember one time I was down at the cave of the winds. And you go back into the oil and it got it all lit up and really cool you know, backlighting, all the rest of it. Then they take you into this one little room and they said, you know, where you're at is so many feet underground and when we turn all the lights off, it's, I forget how dark it is and all the rest of it. And so they turn all the lights off. And they, dude, it's black. I mean, it just, it's dark. Okay, and of course they immediately tell everybody, says, if you hold your hand up in front of your face, you cannot see your hand and anything like that. And so uh, you wait about a second and a half, and then the lights come back on. Everybody's doing this. <laughs> I'm like, busted. <laughs> so I knew what was coming. I'm like, I ain't sticking my hand up. I can't see nothing. Okay, Because you can't. You can't see that well. I mean, you can be out on a starlit night, and you can get around, but let's be realistic. You're extraordinarily cautious. You have to be. Okay? And that's what Jesus is trying to tell the Pharisees. I'm the light of the world. You don't see me because you're in the dark. If you're in that dark, you can't see me. Come out of the dark. Come to the light. I am the light of the world. See, the light are the ones that are righteous. The darkness 
is lawless. Have you ever seen it? Um, they always talk about how bold they were because they committed the crime in broad daylight. Okay, why is that so odd? Because most criminal activity takes place when? Dark. Why? It's harder to see me. All right? I'm harder to be identified if it's in the dark. I mean, a lot of time in the dark, you can't tell if it's male or female. Jesus is telling you and I, as Paul is telling you and I, these are incompatible. Another text. 26th chapter of Acts. This is Paul on trial before Agrippa. And he's explaining to him what he's been doing and why he's doing what he's doing. Chapter 26, verse 17 and following. or We'll start at 16. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose, he's speaking of his testimony. I have appeared to you. This is Jesus talking to Paul. Paul sharing it to Agrippa. To appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which will appear to you. Rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. To open their eyes so that they may turn from... Darkness to light. Then he says, let me explain to you. From the dominion of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. He gets it all covered right there. Those whose sins have been forgiven, have been removed from the rule of Satan, have been put into the rule of God. Those who have had their sins forgiven have turned from the darkness to the light. Do you see that? You can't fellowship these two. You can't make them compatible. You've got one whose sin has been forgiven and one whose sin has not been forgiven. Have you ever seen people whose sin hasn't been forgiven? Say yes. Okay. Um, They have a guilty conscience all the time. And they usually try in different ways to make the conscience kind of get along. This is where you'll see uh, drug and alcohol abuse, relationship abuses, and all these other things because the conscience is bothering them. Now, if you run into a saint whose sins have been forgiven, those in the past, those in the present, and those in the future, and they're walking in the glory and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, their conscience isn't bothering them. They are in the Light. They know where they are going. They know the path at which they walk. They can see. Those who don't have that, they can't see. Their conscience is driving them crazy, so they will abuse themselves in different ways to appease that conscience. And they do it in all kinds of ways. I I, I watch... I see people who have gone from drugs and they realized that was going to kill them. So they went into the adrenaline realm. Let's do things to just stir up your adrenaline. Okay, that didn't do it either. You're still in darkness. 
And, and we use all kinds of ways and, and things that we think will make us feel better. And again, the, they're dealing with I. It's me. It's all about me. How do those have compatibility? They can't. They can't do it. And this is what he's saying here. I have been sent to the Gentiles so that open their eyes that they will turn from the darkness into the light. Go over to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning at verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Well, what would that? Well, he starts it off. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. But immorality and impurity or greed must not be even named among you as it is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting. Not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty. No immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You were formerly darkness. Now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. See, that goes back to the lawless and the righteous. The righteous want to know what is pleasing to the Lord. The lawless don't. They're not interested. So even here, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he's saying, you know what? These people who are practicing idolatry, who are covetous, who are false religions, don't be there. Do not be partakers with them. And, and if you think about it, it's, it makes sense. It's impossible to be partakers with them. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, the context starts in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all aspects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, again, that's what the righteous do. They are striving to what? Grow in the knowledge of God. Who is He? What does He do? How does He think? What is His plan? How do I get from point A to point B? Walking worthy, He says. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good deed. Strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining 
of all steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Where? In light. In light. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. You were in the darkness, now you're in the kingdom of the Son, which is light. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens, on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Him and for Him. That's the kingdom of light. That is His domain. You have been transferred. And Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians, he's trying to tell you and I today, that you know what? Be separate from them people. You don't need to be involved with them. It doesn't mean you don't have contact. Okay. Um, we have to be real careful about this because I, I, I hear people throwing out things that says, well, if you put faith in something really hard, that's just sort of God's way of doing it with that person. Well, that says that if I put my faith in Buddha really hard, then it's the same thing. No, it isn't. I hear people telling me that Allah, Jehovah, and Christ are all the same. No, they're not. They're not even related. They're not the same. And yet, we just sit there and go, well, that's not that big a... No, it is that big a deal. It is that big a deal. And and I I watched the church, for whatever reason, just sort of sit there and go, well, you know, we're just trying to get along. We don't want people to be mad at us. Well, let me tell you something. They crucified your king. What do they think they're going to do to you? Pow around? I don't think so. Peter said it this way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. So you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You once was in the kingdom of darkness and now you are in the kingdom of light first john chapter one five and following this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that god is light and in him there is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. I like John. He beats around the bush. It's hard to understand what he's really trying to get at right there. We lie and we do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with, with one another and the blood of Jesus 
His son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. That is, walk in the light. If you walk in the light, you cannot have any fellowship. You can have no partnership with the darkness. If you turn the flashlight on, what happens to darkness? Okay, now if I want to keep my flashlight off, I can stay in the dark. Absolutely. You don't have any problem. Okay, but understand what he just said. If we have we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. Okay, so you can't. Paul is saying, be separate. Do not be unequally yoked. You know, I like this one because if I'm unequally yoked, if you've got one animal that's on the yoke, it's in the darkness, and you've got one animal that's on the yoke, it's in the light, you're going to cut a straight line? I mean, it's, it's just that simple. You've got one who wants to be lawless, one who wants to violate God's law. And one who wants to lift it up high and holy. That'll be easy. Have no fellowship. Okay, I want to wrap this up. These two questions that he's asked us here. Just these two. Do you understand that they have to do with our nature? That's us. Believers by nature are righteous. Believers by nature walk in the light. Unbelievers by nature are lawless. That's their nature. Have you ever... Have you ever seen... A couple that, uh, I call it mixed marriages. One's a believer and one's not. Huh? And, and, and I, know, I know dealing with these situations that the one who is a believer is, is befuddled of the actions of the unbeliever. And, and I try as gently as I can to say, they're only doing what is their nature. And it usually takes them a while. But they usually get it. They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, you can't change the nature. It's, <laughs> it's like saying, I'm going to take a lost person and I'm going to show help them live by God's standard. Really? Just do the first one. Just do the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> You're going to make friends. Okay? That's all you got to do. Just do that one. Okay? What was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right? Go take a lost person and say, I just want you to do that one. You don't have to obey anything else. Just obey that one. Okay? That is their nature. Their nature is going to say, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. 
Unbelievers are lawless. They walk in darkness. They don't want truth. They prefer the darkness. They want to follow the father of lies. That is their nature to follow him. So how can someone who by nature is wanting to lift Christ high, who walks in the light, how do they join together? What I'm trying to say is they're naturally incompatible. It is their nature. They have nothing in common. You know, it's like uh, you have friends and then you have some friendships. Okay. Friends is a whole bunch of people. But then you have these friendships that have a deeper relationship. And I guarantee you, if you're honest with yourself, the people who are saved, you have a deeper relationship with. Why? You have way more in common with them. Your natures are the same. I can be a friend with a lost person until they tell me something brilliant like, God helps those who help themselves. And I was like, no, he doesn't. (laughs) Well, that's what the Bible says. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Okay. But I've learned a new tactic. This is a little footnote for you. If you run into one of those, You tell them, I need you to do me a favor. God helps those who help themselves. Would you take your Bible and read it and tell me where it says that at? Okay. Because they'll have to read the whole Bible through. And then when they get done, they say, well, I couldn't find it. Well, I'd read it again. (laughs) Keep looking. It's got to be in there. But he said, I'm trying to get at You can't, there's no attempt to get this together. The outline says it's senseless. Listen, I don't care. I don't care if it's denominational. I don't care if it's association. Uh, Anything that is a ministry, anything that you're going to deal with the spiritual side, light and dark don't work. If you're going to deal with the spiritual side, you cannot have righteous and lawlessness and make it come together for a stronger ministry. Can't do it. Absolutely impossible. It is senseless. Fellowship? Really? Really? Listen, when you try to do this, you always get the same results. Always. It damages the faith of young believers. Every time. Every time. When the promise keepers can stand up and the Mormon church says it's a movement of God and the Catholics say it's a movement of God and the Baptists say it's a movement of God, somebody's wrong. Okay. And I look around at it right now and I say, how many Promise Keepers conferences are there going to be this year? They don't have any planned. So then the movement of God must be done. Everybody's saved now. No, it wasn't a movement of God. It had nothing to do with God. 
And you know what? How many people had their faith ruined by that? Better, worse than that, the greatest tragedy, how many are walking around with a false assurance right now? I walked the aisle. I must be saved. They said if I said this prayer, then I'd be saved. How many people are walking around with that assurance only knowing that they're on the broad path headed for destruction? Thinking that they have an assurance that they have been saved. Question number three moves from the difference of our natures to the difference of our leaders. And I'll pick that one up next week. As we begin a new year. (laughs) Sorry. Father, to you be the glory. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. And help each of us as, as, as you prayed, as Paul prayed for the Colossians. Help us to walk worthy. And Father, there will be times we'll have to take a stand. And it will not be a popular stand. Help us, Father. When that time comes, let us stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, I just praise you for this day. Praise you for a blessed week. Praise you for the amazing things that you have accomplished. Help us, Father. Help us to stand in in this amazing truth that there are times in ministry we must be separate. Father, I know that I have one this week that I have to deal with. Help me. Help me to stand. I don't need to be offensive. None of us need to be offensive. All we need to do is stand on the truth of your word. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name, amen.